Colossians chapter 3, we're going to keep making our way uh, through this focus on parenting. We devoted last week to establishing the importance of the role of the father as it pertains to training children in the home. And I, I trust that the Lord really cemented those things for us as fathers. And I can get that later. <laughs> but I think we should know by now, brothers, that Satan is... Uh, knows all too well how critical we are as fathers uh, to the home in terms of, of children. Satan knows that all too well. He knows that if he can make the father a non-factor in the home, uh, he has made a giant stride against that home. If, if Satan can render the father as a non-factor in the home, then he has free access to the children, believe me when I tell you that. Consider some of the, these stats. 90% of runway and homeless children are from fatherless homes. The percentage of rapists with rage that came from a fatherless home, 80%. 71% of all high school dropouts are from a fatherless household. The percentage of adolescents in substance abuse treatment facilities who are from fatherless homes, 75%. Teenage girls without a father are seven times more likely to become pregnant as a teenager. Children are four times more likely to be in poverty from a lack of a father in the home. 63% of youth suicides happen in households with an absent father. I was talking to Larry right before class this morning, and he's done a lot of ministry at the Johnson County Juvenile Detention Center, and he informed me that 91% of the people that are there, the children that are there, are from father or single-parent homes. So again, it's Satan knows. He knows all too well how critical our role is in the home fathers when it comes to parenting. Your role is very, very critical, but... Parents and fathers must educate, which is where we spent the last two weeks. But if we stop there, if we only focused on educating and training, if we stop there, then we're out of balance. And what happens from there is now we go from not just educating and training, but now we go to doing something that we never want to do in parenting fathers, and that is now we crush their spirit. And that is a major no-no. And this is addressed in the rest of Colossians 3.21 and Ephesians 6.4. Colossians 3.21, fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. And of course, Ephesians 6.4, and ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath. So what does it mean to provoke our children to anger fathers or to provoke them to wrath? So what does that mean in and how do we do that? For starters, fathers provoke children to anger or wrath by, listen, encouraging them toward that. Encouraging them in that direction. And they do that by taking, listen, a heavy-handed approach to discipline. Fathers, listen, we said last week, and, and this, is, this is true, fathers are responsible to establish a training and, 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 and disciplinary process in the home. No doubt about that. And 
that is still valid, that is still true. However, when we take a heavy-handed approach to that, what that means is, is now we take it too far and we exercise too much force. There is a line that we are not to cross in the training and discipline process. But when you become heavy-handed, you go too far. And what usually accompanies a heavy-handed approach to, to discipline, here are some things that, to, to consider. Number one is excessive and intense spankings. There, listen, there is a way to discipline a child without abusing them. But when we're heavy-handed, it becomes excessive and it becomes too forceful, too intense. Right? This is where, and again, let me just give you a clue that, that God gives you when you know you're not ready to discipline is if you know you're angry. Not, not wise. Okay? Not wise. Here's another one. Overcorrecting. This is when now every single time you see something, you got to point it out. Every time. Like, and that's, that's all you're doing. It's just pointing out, pointing out, pointing out, pointing out. Unreasonable expectations. This is where the child feels tremendous pressure to be perfect. Like, they've got to be perfect. Every day, all the time, in every situation, they've got to, they've got to be a straight-A student. They've got to be this. They've got to be that. You know, when it comes to academic performance, the thing that I always look for is, hey, is it your best? If a B was your best, then praise God, that's your best. I'm not going to demand. I mean, how can I demand? Some, you better bring it up to an Well, if that's your best, that's your best. Demeaning speech. This is where children are yelled at, cursed at, called names. I mean, some of the things that parents have said to children, so I'm saying when they're angry, you stupid, this, that, and the other, and I mean, things like that are just crushing to a child. Constant critiques and never any complimenting. This is when the only time children hear from you is when they don't measure up. But they never hear from you when they do. It's just one message all the time. You failed, you failed, you failed, you failed. There's a term for that, Father. It's just called child abuse. That's what it looks like. Fathers, the outcome of this approach is given to us in verse 21. Children become angry and discouraged. That word discouraged is very critical to what we're talking about today. You know what it means? It means spiritless. They become spiritless. Fathers, this is so very, very critical. The goal in the training and discipline process is to break the rebellious will of the child, listen, without breaking the spirit of the child. You've got to keep that in view. Right? This is why we said a few last week or a week before is we talked about how critical those early years are in training. It's very, very critical. And that's when you're driving the foolishness far from them. 
That's where you are addressing that rebellious will. You do want to drive that far from them, and you need to drive that, but once you do, here's what I've learned. Once we work through that, guess what? I won their heart, and they won my heart. We had and we have each other's hearts. So guess what? They're never going to be perfect. They're never going to get everything right, do everything right. But there's one thing about my children that I can't say, and that is this. You know what? At the end of the day, they do want to please the Lord by doing right by me. I mean, their heart is set to that. And I praise the Lord for that. And so they aren't looking to rebel against me, war with me. That's not their heart. And so it makes for a very encouraging atmosphere. But consider Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine, but a broken spirit drieth the bones. Uh, someone with a broken spirit is someone who is broken emotionally. Right? These are people who wrestle with deep depression and dejection. Uh, healthy bone marrow and blood cells are needed in order to live, but dry bones essentially make the body nothing more than a skeleton. And so dry bones refer to someone, listen, who is lifeless. They're lifeless. They're as flat as the floor that I'm standing on right now emotionally. They're dead emotionally. Now, fathers, this is so very, very critical for us. Emotionally broken children, listen, are ripe for a life of darkness. Emotionally broken children are ripe for a life of darkness. They are. So, fathers, we absolutely do not want to discourage our children. We don't want them to ever become spiritless. We want to do the opposite, which is encourage them. When we discourage them, guess what we do? We break them down, but when we encourage them, what do we do? We do the opposite. We build them up. We build them up. When it comes to encouraging children, fathers and mothers must know that it's, listen, this is a very intentional thing. It's very intentional, and it must be consistent. So let's talk about how we encourage children. One, we encourage them through our words. We encourage them through our words. Words are really big in the family. They are. Uh, Proverbs 18, 21, we're told that death and life are in the power of the tongue. <laughs> wow. That's sobering. But consider Proverbs 12, 25, heaviness in the heart of man maketh it stoop, but a good word maketh it glad. The speech of mothers and fathers matters greatly. But listen, the speech of the father matters the most. 
and it weighs the most. Mothers, please hear me. By no means am I saying that your role is not important. By no means am I saying that, that you don't matter. God forbid, far from that. Here's the issue. The issue is, in the life of a child, when they look at their father from God's perspective, he is to be the closest earthly resemblance of him that a child sees. A child is to learn more from anyone else. They are to learn from their father who God is and what he is like. And one of the ways they learn that is by what they see in their father and what they hear from him. He is to be like God. He is to be a godly man. That's why his speech weighs the most. But fathers, you set the tone for this for your wife. And I promise you, she will follow your lead here. Right? One of the things that I, I had to learn over the years, I have to be very careful about how I address my children and, and what I say to them, because if I was taking a heavy-handed approach, guess what, that ha guess what happens? That, became, that became or would become discouraging to her. I think you're being too hard, or maybe you're being too critical, or maybe you were too firm. I gotta be careful. And so I, I, and again, she'll follow my lead is, okay. So listen, one of the things fathers you wanna do in your home is you want to create a compliment culture where compliments are, are being shared consistently throughout the family. Husbands complimenting wives and wives complimenting husbands and fathers complimenting children and mothers complimenting but fathers we set the tone for this if you are Mr. Negative where you're at home all the time and you're just ultra critical and negative and every it's like ugh, who wants to live who wants to be a part of that we want to establish a culture in the home where children are encouraged by our speech. We saw in Proverbs 12, 25, a good word. This is a word of encouragement that makes the heart glad. Consider Proverbs 16, 24. Pleasant words are as in honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Uh, pleasant words do not dry the bones as we saw earlier. In other words, they bring and they give life. They are a health to the bones. Now, this is very, very critical, and I, I would say even for, for the rest of the way, everybody, this is going to be very, very practical. Very practical. It might be overly practical, but that's okay. I, I really wanted to have a kind of a rubber hitting the road focus today and be as practical as I can. I will tell you up front that uh, I would never fight over these, but I do want to try and give you some direction and help you uh, to do this on a very practical level. And if you say, you know what, man, I think that's hogwash, no problem. Thank you for sitting and listening. I really appreciate it. And you can go do something else. I understand. Deal? Okay. But fathers, this is from my heart to you. As it pertains to girls, there are some words, there are some phrases that they need to hear from you regularly. 
Now, I'm going to give you an alert. It's going to be a lot of pictures today, okay? And I'm not doing this because I think my kids are just so great, and they're so perfect, and they're so beautiful, and yours aren't, okay? That's not, that's not, that's not what's behind this. I'm just trying to give you a visual as much as I can. Again, this is very practical, right? But you know what your girls need to hear from you, fathers? I love you. They need to hear that regularly. I love you. Fathers, I beg you, I beg you, you cannot allow your pride and your masculinity to block you from being vulnerable with your little girl. If you think you're too macho, you're too tough for those moments, here's what I've learned. If that's how you are with your daughter, that's probably how you are with your wife. Where you hold back and you, listen, you, 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 you have to be vulnerable. Fathers, please get this. Your daughters, listen, your daughters will struggle to believe that God loves them if they are not convinced that you love them. They will struggle with that. If they aren't convinced that you, who they can't see, how are they really going to believe that this invisible God that they can't see loves them? This is critical. Your daughter is like your wife. Her greatest need is for faithful, unconditional love. Sometimes I will grab my baby girl. I will grab her and I will, I will put her in my, and I will, I mean, I could squeeze a lot harder. But I squeeze, and I know it hurts, but, but she just... She just, she just smiles, and I say, and I get down, and I get in her ear, and I say, I love you more than words can express. Yeah, praise God. Two, they need to hear from you, you are so beautiful. You are so beautiful. Fathers, girls, and women are bombarded every day through the media, through the world, with images and messages about what beauty is. And it's very difficult, very challenging for them not to feel pressure to meet that. We get to protect them from that by sending the message that our love for them is pure. In other words, they do not have to look a certain way, weigh a certain amount, wear a certain type of clothing, or do a certain thing with their body for us to deem them beautiful. No. What we want our daughters to know and what we want them to believe is, you know what? 
you are so beautiful to me just because of who you are. You're beautiful. No offense to any, and I've seen all of your children, and they're all beautiful, but Aubrey Morgan. What a beautiful little girl. You know, she's 15, but she is still, at heart, she's a baby. She's my baby. Three, I am so glad you are my daughter. I am so glad you are my daughter. There are some daughters who have struggled because they have been made to feel that they were an accident. We didn't plan for you kind of stuff, right? That's devastating, brothers. When I say I'm so glad you are my daughter, guess what I'm doing? I am sending a message of acceptance, not rejection. I accept you completely. I am so glad you are my daughter. You are my, you are my favorite daughter. Well, I only have one. <laughs> so we laugh about that. Brothers, daughters who feel unwanted by their father typically have and will struggle with relationships with men throughout their life. Why? Because they're going through life looking for a man to do what their father didn't do. Acceptance. Will you accept me? And here's what they run into. I will if you do this, 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 and this. See, when they, when they, when they got it from their father, I don't, listen, I know the day is coming when there's going to be some guy that catches her eye and vice versa. I get that. But it's really hard. For, I'll tell you what, this guy, whoever he is, he's got some stiff competition. I can't imagine some slick-talking, smooth, angling dude trying to show up and, you know, sweet-talk my little girl into his heart. No. No, bro, she has been loved and accepted. She's not hurting for that. So you better be the real deal. You better be. For you are such a blessing to me. You are such a blessing to me. Like her mother, my daughter loves to help me. You know what she'll do? If she's in the kitchen and she's making herself a snack, hey, Dad, can I make you something? Oh, I'm fine, Bree, but thanks for asking. She'll often ask me, hey, can I, can I help you with that if I'm working on something? Can I, can I help you except the yard? She doesn't like doing yard work. I, I mean, she'll, she'll do it, but that's usually when she doesn't ask if she can help. <laughs> she hates bugs. That, that's her, she, like, she just, I mean, the other day, like, she was watering a plant outside, and, and she went to the screen door, and there was, like, a bug. Like, well, no, a little, I mean, little bug. And she goes, Dad, will you come open the door? And I'm like, what's the problem? And she goes, well, and I'm like, where is it? Oh, that little thing? She's just, okay. She'll do it, though. But when you say you are such a blessing to me, guess what you're doing? You're conveying worth and value. You matter. You make a difference. You help me. 
Praise God. Fathers, listen, these statements, when they're made genuinely and regularly, I promise you, man, they will go so far in the lives of your children, especially your girls. Okay, boys, guess what? They too need to hear I love you. They do. When speaking to the groups of men, the National Center for Fathering has conducted some informal research. I want you to hear this. They will ask men to raise their hand if their father told them that they love them on a consistent basis. And here's what they've said. Usually only 3 to 4% of the dads will raise their hands. That's really poor. It's really sad. Well, again, that's just, we're, uh, we're macho. We're, we're too masculine for that. Yeah? If you think like that, let me, let me correct you. Guess what you're doing subtly? Subtly, you are taking a shot at God the Father. Because when you open this book, from Genesis to Revelation, guess what God tells you all throughout it? I love you. One of the core traits of God is that God is love. But you can't say that to your boy? That's not godly, is it? Be not mistaken, your son needs to hear that regularly. Two, I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of you. When your boys accomplish or achieve something, you want to go crazy. That's a big deal. Like you want, you blow that up. Bro, whoa, man, I'm proud of you. That goes a long way with your boys. They need that. And listen, there's a, as they say, there's a, there's a method to the madness. You know, if I send out a picture of my son getting first place in a race, you know one of the reasons I do that? Because I've learned over the years that many of you will encounter him, and guess what you'll do? Hey, good job! Guess what he thinks in that moment? My father was so proud of me that he told his whole class, yes, I am so proud of you, very proud of you. His track coach a few weeks ago asked him if he would address the team and give the team a charge, a motivational speech. And so, as Ken always does, he came and told me about it and, and said, uh, well, Dad, what do, you, what do you think? So we talked about it, and so he did it. And I wanted to show you, I think it's, I, I included it. I want to show you what his coach posted on social media Afterwards, after Ken spoke, he said, I'm so proud of Ken Morgan. I almost can't stand it. Blown away by him today, speaking to an entire team as a sophomore with that kind of poise is just so dang impressive. Like, <laughs> yes! That's a big moment. Bro! Praise God, right? Man, we're fist bumping and high, like, yeah. Man, I'm so proud of you. 
three, I really respect, and you can fill in the blank from there, I really respect this about you. I really respect how you go about that, or man, I really respect how you handled that. That's big. As a young man, that becomes more critical for him to hear. A few weeks ago, I was uh, in his room, and we were having some, some quality time together, catching up devotionally and talking. And so as that time was coming to a close, I, I said, hey, man, let me, let me just pray for you. And I remember, again, I'm, I don't remember everything I said, but I remember as I thought back as to how it concluded, it, 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 it kind of clicked as to how he responded the way that he did. But I remember as I was praying, I said, Lord, I so respect how this young man goes about your business. God, I respect his discipline. I respect his focus. I respect his attitude. And I remember saying, I said, Lord, he is three times the man at 16 than I was at 21. Guess what he did when I said amen? We were sitting on his bed. He jumped up and ran to me like this. And we embraced. I think he was encouraged. Uh, fathers, it is so critical for your children to hear you take them before the throne. For, for them to hear you talk to God the Father about them. Oh my goodness. Four, what do you think? What do you think? This is where we seek their opinion or advice. Obviously, this is relevant to wherever they are in life, but remember last year at his high school, they, had the, they have the annual freshman dance. Okay? I don't dance because I can't. <laughs> Not because I'm a legalist Baptist. I just can't dance, so I don't. All right? I don't sing either. Lori does that very well. But he approached me about it. And the way he approached me about it was I could tell that he wanted to go. He didn't come right out and ask, but, but I'm like, son, you know, I've, I've lived a little bit longer than you, and I, I know you very well, so I know. So my, my response was, what do you think? And I could see him stop for a minute and go, oh, okay, I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> I was ready for a yes or a no. Well, what do you think? I listened to what he thought, and we talked for a little bit, and next thing I know, he was ironing his clothes very vigorously, making sure his shirt was creased, and he grabbed my cologne, I think he sprayed it about 50 times. <laughs> I was like, man, you trying to get engaged tonight or something? What are we doing here? It's like, bro, I can smell you from a planet away. Wow. That's critical. It was clear to him in that moment that his input mattered greatly. This is critical. As boys and girls mature, they have to have more say in decisions. We have to give them that. And there are times where, listen, I would make a different decision. You know, I'm, I wouldn't do that. I, but you know what? We're not talking about sin. 
they get to make that decision, and that's okay. That's okay. Okay, here we go, down the stretch here. We encourage them through our ways. We encourage them through our words, but we also encourage them through our ways. Now, I want to give you four ways, at least four, there are more I know, but I want to give you at least four ways that children spell love. You ready? Number one, time. Time. One of the best things we can give people is our time. We know that. You never, fathers, you never want your children to believe that you are too busy for them, that you don't have time for them. You never want that. Listen, my children know. They know what I do. They know how busy I am. They, they know that. But I can never allow them to believe that, well, man, dad is so involved in the ministry that he just doesn't have time for us. God forbid. I have not missed many concerts or basketball games or track meets or events that they're in. I mean, I'm a cheerleader. You should have saw me. Was it Wednesday? I mean, man, Ken's running. I'm out there. Hey, man, let's go. Come on, let's go. Go, 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 go. Right? I mean, I am. Like, give me a pom-pom. Like, bro, I mean, I am, you know, I'm in it, man. I don't care. I mean, I do care how he does, but ultimately I just want him to listen, bro, I, no matter what you do, proud. I'm here. It is really good. It is really good for your children, fathers, to have one-on-one -on -one time with you. Just you and them. Just you and them. Not long ago, we took some time, and Lori took Bree out for the day. I took Ken out for the day, and we're just hanging out. Just hanging out. And we'll talk about sports. Guess what? What do you think about the Lakers? What do you think about the Chiefs draft? Where he, he gets to, hey, listen, man, I, I really want to hear what you think. I, I value, I respect your opinion about the Chiefs. Or the Lakers. Family vacations, fathers, very important. These are times when your children know and they believe those one-on-one -on -one times or, or family times, vacations like that, where they say, you know what? Man, we've got dad all to ourselves. We don't have to share him with anybody. We don't. Now, after about a week, they're probably ready to get away from me, but... <laughs> But at least the first couple of days, they think it's something. Two, they spell it through provision. God the Father is Jehovah Jireh. The Lord provides. Fathers are providers. Children, filled, they feel loved and secure when their essential needs are met. If I can speak to you from an African-American perspective... I grew up around a lot of young, angry, African-American boys. And one of the reasons that they were angry is because they watched their mother scrape and struggle to provide and make a living for the family and their father's nowhere around. That's very hard for African-American young boys who and I was one of those kids. Now, my father wasn't absent because he was negligent. He was absent because he lost his life trying to save someone else's life. 
But I do remember, I was that kid, literally, if I found a quarter in the street, I took it home to my mother. But it was very hard for me to watch my mother struggle to try and make ends meet. That's difficult. Three, honesty. The Lord filled me in on this one. Not long ago, so Pastor Jeff Gracer, Ken's student pastor, is mentoring Ken. And again, I, I didn't suggest that, recommend it. It was brought to me. I said, hey, what do you think? I want to do it. All right, let's do it. And I respect that. I don't, I don't probe or pry. What would you guys talk about? What would you, where'd you guys go? What did you do? No, 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 I, I don't. Hey, we're good. Jeff and I were talking one day, and he did, he felt led to tell me this. He said, you know, one of the things that we were working through was I asked Ken, I said, hey, Ken, give me three words to describe your father. And he said one of them is, he's honest. Now, I, I know exactly what my son meant by that. There are times when I see the need to point something out in his life. That's constructive. Hey, I, I've observed this. Let's talk about it. And there's a way to do that where when the dust clears on that conversation, they don't feel eviscerated or discouraged or beat down or put down. Let's talk. Have, have, you, have you thought about this? Have you noticed this? I want to hear what he thinks. Let's talk through it. But it is honest. But they are, my children know that I only have their best interests at heart when it comes to that. So here's one of the things that we're really enjoying right now. Uh, Ken is really focused on, on track. That, that's, he likes to run, uh, track, cross country. That, that's his thing. Well, let me tell you how we got there. He played football, he played basketball, and he did okay in those sports. But there came a point where he's got to make some decisions about, do I do this or that? I say, listen, well, let me, let me just be honest with you. If you play football, defense is not your position. It's not that you can't perform athletically. You've got the talent. The issue is, I know something about you that your coach doesn't know. What your coach doesn't know is that you don't have the mentality to come down in the box as a safety and impose your physical will on another human being. You're not wired for that. Now, some guys can find that switch and then turn it off when the game is over, and some guys can't. That's okay. Here's what I want you to know. In my eyes, that doesn't make you less than another athlete. It's not even a critique. It's just an honest observation. So if you are going to play football, I think you should play offense because now, if a guy came down in the box and physically laid the wood to you, you can handle that. You can get up, you can live with that. But you can't deliver that. Basketball, you're a very good player. Every year, you, the, the guy who finishes the season is not the guy who started it. 
You just get better and you improve every game, every practice. Yeah, I see that. But here's what I do notice. What I've, what I've noticed is when I watch you with track, you're far more relaxed. You're far more relaxed. You enjoy it. You're very natural. You're very confident. I can see. I can smell it. So that's what I think that you should consider. He's having a great time running track, and we're having a great time watching him. Bree, man, it was a tough thing for her. Whatever Ken does, she wants to do, right? He's a big influence in her life, and so she tries sports. I love her. I love her. No, please spare us all. <laughs> she went. To, she, she, she tried out for the. Well, she was going to try out for the basketball team, and when she was an uh, eighth grader, and they had a little clinic, and so I took her, and I'm watching her, and, and I'll never forget. Like I, I'm trying to show her how to do a layup. Poor girl. <laughs> I have this on camera. Okay, I recorded. <laughs> But she, she totally blew it, and, and then she missed it, and she goes, <laughs> like, <"I don't> know. <laughs> so we got home, and, and, and she was discouraged. And I said, Bree, there is no sin in not playing basketball. Doesn't make you a failure. Doesn't make you less than anybody. Let's trust God to go. Let's find out what you enjoy, and let's do that. No, no big deal. And so, man, she's in choir. She really enjoys that. She, she's really enjoying home ec, right? She's making, I mean, she, and she's having a blast. She's not competitive. No problem. Okay, last but not least, faithfulness. Primarily referring to the home here. Listen, fathers, your children must know, they must know, that you would choose death over leaving their mother and them. They must know that. Uh, man, I'd rather drink a giant size of cyanide before I ever walked on your mother and you. God forbid. Fathers, none of us are batting a thousand including this guy right here. But I will tell you, one of the greatest causes of discouragement in children, you ready? Divorce. Divorce. Because to them, their father gave up on the family. Dad, you gave up on us and you walked. That's tough. God, I do pray the things that we have considered in these weeks about parenting, as we have heard from your word, God, I just beg that you would use it in our lives to your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.